Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Bradfoe Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. It's sort of bizarre when you have a guy who has made two all-star teams, finished fifth in the MVP voting one year, has 154 home runs, has an 831 OPS, in nine years as a major leaguer, still is only 34 and the only way you can find them in Red Sox camp usually is in the backfield with the other minor leaguers. Well, that's sort of what you have with Carlos Quentin right now. And he is, to me, one of the most interesting aspects of this camp. Best case scenario, he lands at AAA Pawtucket. But how he's gotten to this point is pretty interesting. This is a guy who was on the verge of leaving baseball altogether less than a year ago and, and just moving on with his life. But instead, he's giving it one last whirl. He's doing it with the Red Sox with the hope of first getting to AAA and then seeing where it goes from there. But there was a very, very strange path that Quentin took from the time that he was in Twins camp a year ago as a guy who really, as he said, isn't wasn't really prepared to, to re-energize his major league career to right now, which was after losing 40 pounds, was after playing in the Mexican League for like a month, was after calling GMs himself, not even going through an agent, all of that. That's how he landed here at JetBlue Park with the Red Sox, or more specifically with the Red Sox minor leaguers with the hope of one day getting back to the major leagues. It's a strange path. It's an interesting story. He tells it all. Well, Carlos Quinton's here, and I was just in the Red Sox clubhouse, and, and I was talking to Dustin Bedroya. You, you know Dustin, right, Carlos? Yeah, I know I know Pedro quite a bit. All right, so he, he wanted to thank you personally because he said he would never have won the, the 2008 MVP if it wasn't for this you missing the last month. He said, actually, you would have won it. Is that, you think that's accurate? You know, uh, Dustin, he's a, he's a great guy. Um, <laughs> 
He's an honest person, and uh, I appreciate him saying that. Uh, you know, I was having a very good year up until that point, but uh, you know, things happen the way they do, and you know, he has an MVP award, and um, you know, rightfully so. He had an amazing year. Well, you had an amazing year. I mean, fifth fifth overall in MVP voting. So, um, and you can talk a little bit about that in, in the past, but really, what I want to talk about is the here and the now. And we just saw you play a little bit up in uh, up in Clearwater. And then you did a simulated game here. Uh, the first thing I want to go through is is how are you feeling now? Because in case people don't know, you, you took last year you played the Mexican League, correct? Uh, yeah, I played for a month um, in the Mexican League. Just kind of was a little bit bored. Wanted to kind of go empty the tank a little bit, and I did. And at that point, you know, I played for you know a month, and I came back, and my body felt terrible. It felt really bad. It, you know, it was about time, it was time for me to um, you know be done with baseball and uh kind of call it call it quits you know i felt like my body kind of failed me at that point and i was a non-athlete and uh anyways i you know i, I went home and i was ready to start transitioning again so so you, you long story short in terms of where you're here now yeah. you signed with no you signed with the red sox yeah. um but i do want to ask you you just said it yourself you were ready to call it quits and one thing you said that struck me which was i was a non-athlete um, you were in Twins camp last year, correct? Yeah, I was in Twins camp. I felt uh, pretty good. I felt uh, you know strong. I was looking to try to you know provide you know some outfield uh, depth for them and play first base and DH, uh, you know, kind of do that role. But you know, at the same time, you know, I was moving around all right. And uh, as camp progressed, uh, my body was starting to you know have hurt more and more. And you know, I was moving around there around 255. That was my weight. And uh, you know, by the end of camp, uh, my right knee had swollen up on me, and I was kind of really struggling. And uh, I didn't think it was, uh, you know, I think I had it in me to, to go out and try to play a season in AAA, or you know, not even, you know, possibly not even in the big leagues because uh, you know, I think I think uh, my body wouldn't have let me do it. And to be honest, that was a, a good decision. I don't think I would have been able to make it through last year if I had tried to go ahead and try to, you know battled out from the beginning of the season with a swollen knee. And no one would have looked back at your career and said it was a it was a very good career and you had you made the All-Star team twice and like I said MVP votes and and some really really great years. And you said like you said you go to the Mexican League and because I think I don't want to put words in your mouth you said you were bored. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I was kind of bored. I, I was kind of itch. I just wanted to hit a baseball. Uh, I wanted to just see if I could go DH and there's anything left and uh you know i found out you know the ball still came off the bat but as far as my body like i said i wasn't uh wasn't athletic i really couldn't play the field and i was in a lot of pain and uh you know that's when i came back started transitioning and that's so so through when you left the mexican league and, and right then and there did you feel this is it i'm moving on to the next facet of my life um and if that was the case, when did it turn? When did it turn where you said, I'm going to give this one last try, I'm going to change things? Did anyone get to you? Did, any, did anyone convince you? Was there a, oh, my goodness, uh, I, I have seen the light sort of moment for you? Um, you know, when I came back from the Mexican League, I, I actually felt pretty good. I felt like, you know, I, I was happy that I went down there, that I gave it a shot down there. I felt like I'd done everything I could um, as a baseball player to uh, – to satisfy that need to know that I'd left it all out there, that I'd given it my all. Um, I mean, I, you play baseball for 30 years of your life and you commit your life to it. You just want to make sure you 
you did everything you could. So I felt like I'd reached that point, so I was ready to transition. You know, I was looking forward to, uh, you know, wanting to go out and surf and, and paddleboard and try to get into some, like, you know, kickbox and just do different things. I wanted to be active. The problem was I was in a lot of pain, and I felt like at that point I still I couldn't even do those things, those recreational activities. And I have a really close friend, probably my uh, one of my best friends in the game, a guy named John Baker, a catcher with the Marlins, with the Padres, with the Cubs. Um, he was doing jiu-jitsu and really enjoying it. He wanted me to try to try it and try kickboxing. I said I really couldn't with my injuries on my body, and he recommended a diet to me called the ketogenic diet. He showed me how to do it, kind of walked me through it. You know, I said, and the whole idea was to get rid of inflammation in my body to allow me just to, to live a normal life. And, um, you know, I started it, and, uh, you know, I kind of stayed with it, and it really was, it was great for uh, controlling my appetite. Um, you know, I stopped eating at night. It was just kind of a, a no-brainer. Let me eat half the stuff I really liked. <laughs> and the other stuff I could, you know, sacrifice. Instead of just giving up everything that you don't like or everything that you like that's bad for you, it, you know, a lot of stuff was good for me in certain context. And anyways, uh, you know, after the first couple of months, I lost 20 pounds immediately. And I started feeling good. The inflammation left my elbow, my shoulder, and as far as my other different areas of concern I've had throughout my career my knees started feeling better and uh, you know at that point you know um, you know another month went by I lost another five eight, five to ten pounds and, and this I, is this is about when in the calendar year geez uh, it, was, it, was, it was it still the baseball season still going on or was it you get into the off season yeah it was right at the I mean the, I think playoff baseball started so I came I came back right around mid mid-august mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, the September came, kind of came and uh, went, and I started it a little bit in September. September, let me go. Uh, you're challenging me on my months here. Yeah, so. No, no, that's all right. It's right around there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. listen. September, October, November, and right around November, I was down about 28 pounds, you know, 25 pounds. Just, and I just want to get just clear this. And Tell me the name of the, uh, the program again. It's called the Ketogenic Diet. Okay, so... When I go into my day and I'm saying I'm doing the ketogenic diet, it's ketogenic diet. Ketogenic diet. It's either one keto, keto, keto. It's basically I'm going to do the diet that says I can go to Leroy Selman's and eat my chicken wings, but instead of the ordering twelve, I'm going to eat six. But it's, but it's it's not as simple as just taking half the half the amount of food that you would. No, no, the diet is you can go and eat your chicken wings. You just got to make sure they're not breaded, and you can have buffalo sauce and not. I'm out. Well, it actually tastes fine. Yeah. So you can eat as many of those as you want. It's, it's a high-fat con- high diet um, with low protein and carbohydrates. So you try to go four to one. It's really hard to do that. There's a lot of fat to eat, but it's all about, like, the type of fat you're eating. Um, and then you don't mix any complex carbs into it and no sugar. So it's maintaining, trying to keep sugar out of your body, which can cause inflammation. So for me, it was, uh, it was great. I mean, a lot of stuff on the diet that I, I enjoy. You know, I enjoy butter. I enjoy like eggs. I enjoy bacon. I enjoy pork rinds. I, you know, I enjoy, actually it's starting to sound a little bit better. As I you know, I enjoy cheese, avocado. Uh, you can use salt. I mean, there's a lot of things that are really like, hey, it's like it meets it met, it met me halfway, mm-hmm. controlled my appetite, and also gave me uh, more energy where I didn't feel like I was crashing all the time with, uh, you know, a, carbo- a carbohydrate-based diet. But anyways, I mean... Um, well, what, what was the highest you got for, for weight, and what are you at now? I was at... When I got back from Mexico, I was 262. 
And uh, right now I'm 223, 224. Wow, that, I mean, I can see where that might make a difference. But so, so you get to the, the say that you get to fall, and and you feel good. Your your body is changed. Um, your you, you, your ailments probably feel a lot better. And when does it start creeping in? Okay, I'm going to give this one last chance. Well, I got to November. Um, you know, I was almost at the 30. I had almost lost 30 pounds. I'm feeling good, and I'm thinking, you know, oh, like not uh oh, but kind of like, well, you know, I'm feeling good. I, you know, I'm finally losing this weight that I've been trying to lose for the last five years of my career, and hadn't been able to, you know, have it be the injuries, diet, whatever I had tried, you know, having chefs, trainers, all kinds of different angles, and it just seemed like it wasn't my fate to to be able to cut this weight, and all of a sudden now I'm losing the weight that I was always trying to cut. And I'm going into a holiday season where I've always gained 10 to 15 pounds, just like the rest of the world. And I'm like, well, let's see if I, you know, I set a benchmark. If I lose 40 pounds, then I have to pick up the phone and call somebody. And if I'm going to set that mark, then I need to like spend December, you know, trying to see if my body will withstand, you know, a, a, a harsh workload. So I'm basically trying to break my body. If I go ahead and I break myself, then. It's not meant to be, so I need to test it because I don't want to come out and call somebody and come out here and all of a sudden break down. And I'd rather break down on my own, you know, at home and in private again, you know. And uh, so I went through the holiday season, um, pretty really pushing myself and staying on my diet. And you know, I ended up losing six pounds, which was unheard of in during a holiday season for me. Um, and I pushed me to over thirty and. I was 30 pounds lost, and I was getting close to that 40 mark. And uh, you know, through midway through January, I was right there, and I started swinging and hitting, and I felt good, and got the okay from my wife because she saw the transformation herself. And uh, you know, she wasn't exactly happy, but she understood. And what I, you know, through all that stuff, uh, through everything, you know, kind of accidentally losing the weight, kind of pushing myself and feeling good, is I created something that I didn't want to live with, and that was regret. That uh, feeling this way and, and moving the way I did, I felt like I was athletic again, that I'd become somewhat an athlete. I feel like uh, I had become an athlete again, and I just didn't want to, um, you know, that's when I picked up the phone. I called, you know, GMs directly. I didn't want my agent to call for me. I wanted to call myself and speak to them and let them know exactly what, uh, where my head was at and why I was calling. I know how it looks from an outsider perspective of someone trying to keep hanging on and, holding on to the game and, uh, you know, retiring a couple times and wanting to come back and play. And I just wanted to explain to him that this was a, you know, hopefully a little bit different. I, I just, at the same time, you know, I just didn't want to regret not calling. And if, you know, at that point they said no, then I w would be fine. I could live with that. Um, the whites, the, I'm sorry, the, <laughs> the Red Sox. Yeah, the Red Sox um, and Mr. Dombrowski you know, sent a guy, uh, a scout, Eddie Bain, to take a look at me and uh it was a good report back to them and you know they i can't thank them enough for giving me a shot well take me through you said you wanted to call the gms directly so you pick up the phone and you call dave dombrowski um and what was that conversation like and and how many gms did you actually talk to um you know what i i call i identified about you know maybe 10 to, to 12 teams um that uh, may have known me as a player, that I had relationships with possibly, you know, um, 
a GM or had, had just known me. I think when I played, I was uh, a pretty private person. Um, I was pretty, you know, I, I'm still intense when I play, but uh, you know, not a lot of people knew me in an, in an age of social media and where, you know, a lot of people get to know how someone is based on what they write, what they tweet or provide on the Internet. I don't, you know, I don't really believe in social media. I don't have social media. And that's, you know, a venue for someone to get to know somebody. So, you know, I, I was very private. And uh, so I, I identified these, you know, kind of teams with my, with my agent or former agent. or agent. We didn't know what he was. <laughs> um, Brody Van Wagenen. And uh, anyways, he's my agent now because I'm playing. So, um, and I called them. You know, some, I got some call. Some, you know, some people got back to me. It was great. Um, everyone was very uh, open to listening to me and hearing me out. Um, uh, I can't be, you know, thankful enough to those people. Those conversations went better than I thought they would. Um, even though, even if, even you know, um, half of them were a no, you know, and but they still were good conversations for me to have. Um, and uh, you know, a couple guys, you know, a couple teams didn't get back to me, which was fine. Completely, you know, I didn't expect everyone to, but for the most part, everyone was very open to to, to hearing me out. Um, they looked at their organization to see if I fit, and if I didn't, you know that. You know they were they wished me well and I, I you know I appreciated those conversations as well and um, you know, I talked to Mr. Dombrowski and he uh, he knew me from when I was with the White Sox and I was playing against uh, you know when he was with the, with Detroit and um, you know looked at the the system and you know big thing was do you have any room and uh, you know there's some possibility for some room here for me to you know like I said play whatever role they they'd like me to play and I understand I'm not in a fantasy world that. You know, I'll be going to hopefully going to Pawtucket and playing there and getting at bats and and achieving the one goal that I really want to do. What I really want to achieve is just to be healthy on a field. You've you've had a lot of uh, calls in terms of congratulations and you know, whether it's being drafted or or signings or whatever. When you get the call from the Red Sox after you work out with Eddie for Eddie Bain, and you get that call and you actually make that agreement, what was that like? Compared to other sort of milestones of your career, I mean, it it, it was it was exciting. Um, it's interesting. All, all all the different milestones you reach in your in your career is, are just different based on the timing of where you're at. You know, um, a lot of different emotions as far as uh, you know. Am I gonna you know leave my children again and go and play? Uh, and you know, is this the right thing? And it is because it's gonna make me a better a better man, a better husband, a better father by. Uh, Knowing that I, I did everything I could in this facet of my life, um, but to get the, the you know the chance to come out here and, and know that they were interested and they were willing to you know kind of take a chance, you know I was very thankful. You know, um, there's a lot, there's a full range of emotions. You think about your your personal and your private, your your personal life, and then you you think about you know well you get this opportunity to come and have a chance to play affiliate baseball and you see around the world how many people would die for that opportunity so it's not something you take lightly um, and you're just you know, you're thankful for them to give you that shot and to to listen to you and believe you and come look at you and give you a fair assessment and say hey you may have something here that we possibly could use mm-hmm. and as long as all the cards are on the table and you understand and you know hey let, let's go and, and you can be just be really grateful and thank, thankful for you know, people to take a, a chance. And it's, 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 it's an open deck still. You know, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I feel good. I've been recovering. Um, you knock on wood that everything stays together. 
um, and that uh, there's some use for me. Has it been what you thought it would be here in Fort Myers? Um, you know what? This organization's been very great. They've been very, they've been very straightforward with me. They've, you know, on the Smiley side, they've treated me with a ton of respect. Um, I wasn't really sure what it was going to be like. I hadn't been in a, a Miley camp in a while. Uh, all the younger guys have been really great. Uh, it seems like they like to draft a lot of character-based players. Obviously, there's a ton of talent on the Miley side as well, but uh, they like to to make sure they're, 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 the people associated with this organization are quality, class, and treat people right. And it seems like that is the case. That's always been kind of the word back that I've heard about anyone playing with the, you know, the Red Sox organization. And it's it's. Um, it seems very accurate. What so when you get into the, those at bats in Clearwater the other day, what was that like? You got hit by a pitch in the first mm-hmm. time, which you you've, you've you're pretty good at. You've, you've got <laughs> which I mean it's it's not I mean it's not. I don't think you go into the at bat saying, "Look, I can still get hit by a pitch." You, you want to? Was that frustrating that first at bat? Uh, you know, it, it was. What I mean, it was it was just interesting. I mean, uh, I was. Felt good, you know. You see the pitch. You see, you can tell how you're going to see the ball usually in the first couple pitches. You see, I actually saw the ball pretty well. So I'm like, all right, this is coming back. And then the last thing I expected was to actually get hit by a pitch. I'm like, okay, okay, well that just happened. So you just kind of go with the flow. That's whatever. And you know, I've had a history of getting hit by pitches. So um, it was whatever, you know. And but you get it. But two good bats later, you get a hit. Yeah. Well, how about this? <laughs> I get on base and I score a run. You know, I'm like sitting here sprinting around the bases. At full speed, I'm like, okay, this, you know, I felt like I was moving well, and I'm like, and I slid, and I'm like, okay, I've done some things that I never thought I could do about, what, six, seven months ago, right, that I thought I was done doing, and I just did it. So for me, those are small little, like, achievements, and I felt good about it. And, you know, I get up next to bat and see the ball okay, end up striking out, and I'm like, all right, so let's make adjustments. So it's just a, you start making adjustments like any other, like, like you're playing baseball, the same thing. Like, okay, what do I got to do here to see the fastball a little better? So the next at bat, made some quick adjustments and was able to barrel up a ball. And it felt great. You know, it feels yeah. great to actually, you know, get a hit in a, in a big league environment. Yeah, I mean, well, like as we sit here, you've gone through that game and you had the sim game against Rick Porcello, Cy Young Award winner. And, and having gone through this, this is sort of the next test, right? It, which is you've seen... Aaron Nola was the pitcher for the Phillies. He's going to be in the rotation. Porcello's Porcello. You feel like, all right, I can do this. I'm, I, I feel like I'm tracking the ball. I feel like I used to. Exactly. So, I mean, you could come up with a goal on any give, on the next day you have based on what you, with the feedback you, you got from how you performed and what you felt the day before. So I felt like I wanted to get on the fastball better. So yesterday I came in, worked on it, made some adjustments, and boom, I was on the fastball. So I was happy to achieve that that goal and you know got to face uh, Rick Porcello which was great you know to, to see some movement on a ball and and make adjustments and uh, have an approach and I'm happy to feel like those 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 parts are coming back and those are all the things that you have questions on as a, as a player especially when you've had time off is are you going to be able to accomplish those small goals that you can to keep building on uh, on what you're trying to accomplish in a season and get better because um, you always want to try to continue to get better and consistent and um, I feel like I, I, I'm on that path, and I, I you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm appreciative and, and happy with that. This last question is: so you, you said your, your hope is you go to Pawtucket, you keep working on, keep progressing. Is it basically like okay, and maybe this is an agreement where you make your, with your wife, with your family, whatever? But okay, we're going to do this year. We're going to we're going to figure it out, and maybe it's like we're going to do like the three 
first three months. Is there a timetable in terms of months or year, or is this just we're going to see how it goes? And you know, I could be trying to figure this out two years from now, but as long as I feel good, I'm going to keep keep going at it. Um, you know, there's not a time frame for me. Um, like I said, the goal is simple: to feel good and feel healthy on a field consistently, and you know, every day. And if I can continue to do that, then that's you know accomplishing that goal. Um, and then this game is always going to be a performance-based game. You know, if I perform and I am deemed valuable by the organization, then they'll figure out how to to unlock that value in whatever way they deem fit, whether it's to contribute at the major league level or to provide a backup or emergency role for them in Pawtucket. Mm-hmm. And that's what I signed up for. That's in their control, and that's that's fine. I'm I'm an open book with that. Uh, as far as you know, playing this game, everyone loves the game in their own different way. Um, and for me, I, I obviously committed my life to this or to this game for the first you know hopefully third of it, and I'll keep playing in, in, until I feel that I've done everything I can to honor that commitment one of the best stories of cam carlos thanks so much for joining us and and um we look forward to seeing you play because that was it was it was a trip seeing you play the other day that was that was a lot of fun so thanks a lot for joining us i appreciate it. thank you keep your car looking its absolute best year round with 303 cleaners and protectants 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. How did one man go from the scion of a Bay Area sausage company to triple murderer? Bud Stewart was always just a little off the rails. I'm Natalia Gravich, and I explored this question and many others on The Sausage King, a new podcast from KCBS Radio and Odyssey. He would park the truck with the pig and the straw in front of my campaign headquarters. Didn't like to follow any rules. Subscribe and listen now on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.